Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. On today's episode, my guest is walking, talking, and jumping proof that you can make being sensitive your superpower. Kati Spas and I are talking about her career as an elite international show jumper, transforming relationships by working on yourself and the X-Men superpowers that come with being a highly sensitive person. Kati is a world-class coach to professional performers, artists, and creatives. Through her groundbreaking Claim Your Shine modality, she supports these highly sensitive and intuitive people so that they can reach and sustain success in their highly demanding creative industries. In addition, Kati is passionate about spreading more awareness regarding the specific mindset challenges and gifts associated with being an HSP, highly sensitive person, by sharing interviews with professional artists on her show, The Inside Scoop. She loves riding her horses and firmly believes she has the most amazing family in the whole wide world. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. The question many people are asking lately is, how do I find and maintain peace of mind? With everything going on in your world and the world as a whole, staying grounded can be challenging. Yet your happiness and well-being are dependent on your ability to find your center, to tap into your inner knowing. Your health and sanity are at stake here. This is where the Fuck Being Fine program for individuals and companies comes in. It's time to stop saying everything's fine when, clearly, your hair is on fire. You want to learn how to stay calm and grounded no matter what's going on around you? There are people who live this way, and you can be one of them. If you're intrigued by this possibility, message me at lori at zenrabbit.com or text me at 571 571- Three one seven one four six three. Welcome to this episode of Fine is a Four Letter Word. My guest today is Kati Spas. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And you must be the first English speaking person who got my name completely right. <laughs> well, maybe that's because I asked you before we started how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I am too, especially after our pre-show conversation. And I, that was just so beautiful. So give me a, a brief overview of your early life. Like I want to start with the beliefs and the values and beliefs that were instilled in you when you were growing up. Well, as a young child, I was fearless, to be honest. You know, I was reckless. I was wild. I was a real um, tomboy. 
And I was, you know, the the Indian in me, like a, a real Native American Indian in me. I've always had a lot of connection with Indian tribes and things like that. Um, was completely present in my early life. And we were having a lot of fun, you know, riding our ponies and playing with cats and dogs and just um, having a blast. But then growing older, you know, my parents divorced when I was three and a half years old, which I always thought I was fine with. But then, of course, later in life, you discover that there are safety issues and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, mm. but I thought I was fine. And then I was always really happy to go to my father because he was my big, big hero. And as I grew older, he started to expect more and more of me. You know, I was 10 years old and he would send me to France to people I didn't know. I had seen them once. Uh, the daughter was a little bit older than me, but she was not nice or kind at all. Um, it was really hard and I was there all alone and I was 10 years old and every summer I had to go there and later on to different places, which was better. But um, it was it was a great experience, you know, at very early age, I had to be very independent and I was learning a lot of things. But I started to be very competitive in uh, horseback riding. We did um, jumping. And mm -hmm. I remember one of my first shows, you know, I would not sleep all night because I was so nervous and so excited to, you know, do my show and to jump my pony around. And, you know, you, you want to do a good job. And so I actually did until that last jump, you know, I was supposed to go straight and I took the jump on the left <laughs> because I thought that that was the last one. And... Instead of having a good laugh and saying, you know, you know what, girl, that was an amazing round. You were clear. Um, let's just, you know, stick with the course next time, blah, blah, blah. No, um, he said I had to ride a higher class. You know, I think I was 10 or 11 years old at the time. That's still small enough. I did not have that much jumping experience. So... I was really scared doing that. So he actually made me scared and the pressure was already on. You know, it had to be good. Mm. Yeah. What, first of all, why was he sending you to France to stay with this family that you didn't know? Did you ever find out why? Yeah. The first reason was so that I would learn to speak French in a good way because our family is, uh, yeah, from that side, they're uh, very well educated, you know, and then they're like, okay. it's, it's posh, you know, if you speak fluently French as well. So that was the, and he always said, you know, you'll be so grateful later in life. Um, I guess I probably am. And it's been amazing experiences. Who can say that? You know, I was in France on my own when I was 10 years old and I was not on my own. You know, I had these people. Thinking, oh, sure. But I'm, I imagine it was very, like, you said it was scary and and lonely and you don't speak the language and you're with these people you don't know and all of the stories that you then create in your mind about all kinds of things I was too young to do that I didn't do that yet but I did feel a little bit you know left aside because these people were also very passionate horse people and their daughter was a very good rider as well or still is probably um so they were always working, competing and blah, blah, blah. So I was a little bit, you know, left to the side. I was just, I was there and 
yeah they didn't include me as much as as they could but i'm i'm a wanderer i i love to be on my own so i would spend my time with the falls in the field with the dog playing you know just going for a walk with the local pony that they had in their in their barn <laughs> okay you know and uh, that was okay because there was space peace quiet for me um so yeah i did manage to survive we did have cool experiences as well of course going back to the stepping up in horse riding class and it, I mean, so did, were you able to compete at that level or what happened? Yeah, so then afterwards um, we moved and everything got more professional and it was quite hard for me because um, as a child I was very introverted. I was very outgoing, I'm very extroverted, but when it comes to my deeper emotions I I'm, I'm, can be very introverted. And so uh, I did not even know, I, was, I wasn't aware about this. My brother was always a lot more sensitive with these things but our father had changed girlfriends um and he was with this really sweet lady that took great care of us especially my brother because you know like I said I was the tomboy I was out in the stables and mm -hmm. with the horses so but my brother was you know really well taken care of and she was always soft and sweet and kind nourishing you know and then came this French mm -hmm. yeah I can use the word biatch you know she was just Yeah. <laughs> At first we idolized her because our father was so like, oh, she's this and she's that. And we were like, wow, you know, 10 and 12 years old. I was 12. And then, you know, you idolize her and then they moved. And then you're at an age that you're changing school. And so there was so much going on that I suffered from quite a severe illness that your bones literally like it's not freeze but they stay stuck so oh, it's wow. a reactional arthritis so i could not move certain parts of my body so i was stuck in bed. oh my god that was crazy you know and i and i know now later on i knew that it was a reactive disease so it was happening as a reaction on everything that was going on and that i just could not process in myself because mm -hmm. i also i did mm -hmm. not want to think about those things so yeah yeah it's interesting how that so were you not able to ride because of that yeah for a little while but we just moved so things were changing and it was actually okay because that way I could settle into the new space mm. and I did recover quite fast from it normally it takes people at least three months and I I was a very healthy girl, so it took me three weeks when I could start going a little bit outside again. But mm -hmm. then a little after that, I could ride again. And then we did take things to the next level, you know. We started riding shows and competing more, and then we started riding international shows with our ponies. And then, of course, you know, the pressure is on. We had these pony camps with our friends from the show, and then it was, like, really hard work but also fun. But for example, when they would all go to the swimming pool, I was the one uh, that couldn't go or had to go later because there was another pony coming, a little stallion from people, and I had to ride it at home. And I always enjoyed that, you know, you, you do feel special when you're doing that, you get this, you know, extra attention, you're missing out, but you're also having a lot of confidence because you're able to do that. So it, it's always we talk sometimes about um, making sacrifices to get what you want. So you sacrificed being able to go swimming, but you also got to ride yeah. 
you know, extra writing time that you you enjoyed. So yeah, and I have to say, at this point, I've experienced firsthand that when you have to sacrifice, you know, it's okay to sacrifice things, but at, until a certain level. At this point, you know, I used to ride professional for a very long time. I did it as a job. I had my own horse stable and everything, but I was working my horses my top horses like five times a week always very conscious about their health and making sure you know that there was a lot of flexibility in their work not every day the same mm -hmm. also going out for a hack and training in the woods and you know that kind of stuff and and lunch work so there was a lot of um different kind of work for them so i, I kept my horses really healthy but i was investing a lot of time energy and work and sweat and tears <laughs> into them yeah yeah but yeah so at this point i have two babies and i'm very happy if i can ride two or three times a week and even some weeks not and some weeks one time and i've noticed that these past few weeks i've been riding two times a week and I've made more progress than I've ever made in the past riding six days a week, months, you know? Wow. Yeah. There is a lesson. There's a lesson in there. Yeah. In that, you know, I see it and I see it as a lesson for myself as well as for my listeners that it doesn't have to be always pushing so hard that sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, it's about allowing. And so if it if two times a week you're getting better results than six times, then allow yourself to, I don't want to say settle for, but accept that that's okay, that you don't have to put five days or six days into it. You know, um, it was pointed out to me recently that I have a belief that struggle is the way to success. Yes, I get that. <laughs> you, are, you are giving this message right here that that is not true. I mean, it's true if you believe it's true, but it doesn't have to be true. No, and I'm working through that belief every single day because we've been raised that way, you know? We've been raised that way and mm -hmm. with my business as well. I used to work so many hours and serving so many clients, but now I'm at a point where, you know what? I'm exclusive. I'm not for everyone. I don't want to work with everyone. I don't want to serve everyone. You know, I want to work with the people yeah. that bring me the most joy and I will choose them. And that just changed yeah. my entire career, but also, you know, bliss, joy in what I do. Because I'll be very frank with you, when I have to coach 10 clients one-on-one -on -one at the same time, I'm bored. I'm bored. I just, mm. I, I don't care anymore. And that's very harsh to say, but that's the God honest truth. You know, I'm just bored. And I want to do things that bring me joy because I know that when I organize my life in that way, I'm the best coach I can be for my clients. So that's why I'll yeah. only take yeah. max three clients at the same time at this point so that it's fun for everyone. Yeah. So stepping back, um, what at what point did you get to the place where you're like, yeah, everything's fine, but it's not fine? Well... I did share with you in advance that I had the burnout and yeah. prior to my burnout, I had been doing so much inner work, you know, uh, spiritual classes, personal development classes since I was 19. So that must have been like 12 years prior to my burnout that I was doing so much and trying, I was trying so hard to improve 
alive mm-hmm. and to feel more happy in my own skin and comfortable and and um you know to find that little girl that was so fearless again and I just couldn't I couldn't I was always disappointed in myself and of course disappointed in the people around uh, around me because that's you know beautiful mirror effect and yes. yeah and so when I got stuck in that burnout I realized that you know what there's a different way because I always tried so many things. I did Reiki, I did healings, I did um, acupuncture, yeah, not acupuncture, but with the feet. Um, I did past life regressions. I've tried everything, everything. And I've always yeah. noticed that it's temporary because it's external. You know, it has to come from the inside out. I have to change. Things and I got all these tools from all these courses and classes, and I could not get them integrated in my daily life and my routines. And it's when I got stuck in that burnout, when I hit my rock bottom, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm worthless. You know, I can't do anything right because due to the bullying at work, um, they, you know, I got to a point where I started to believe that I'm, you know, I'm no good. I'm no good. I'm not good. So you were doing all of this work and this, this um, inner work. And at the same time, that's when you were getting bullied at work. Well, I did the inner work for 12 years. And then somewhere after that, probably I, I'm, I was not doing a specific course at that time. Okay. I was getting my bachelor degree because I started uh, doing my horses straight after school. So I was getting yeah. my bachelor degree in my 30s, um, in my early 30s, because I'm still in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and that's just when I realized, you know what, knowledge is beautiful, but if you're not using it, if you're not putting it to work, it's useless. Even worse, Absolutely. it's making you feel like shit. Because you know what you have to do and you're not doing it. So you're, you know, tearing yourself apart because you're such a bad yes. person and blah. Yeah, you know. Right. I have these kind of conversations with clients all the time about, right, feeling guilty and talking about, when you know, when you talk about gratitude and meditation and when I'm working with my clients and that whole idea of having a gratitude journal that becomes another okay. thing on your to-do list. And you're like, oh, yeah. I got to do that today. And that's not, that's not useful. (laughs) No, it's not. And that's why I love doing the work that I do because, you know, you and I, we take people by the hand and we do it together and we help them. We support Mm -hmm. them becoming the version that they want to become. It's so different from, because I've been to therapists, I've been to psychologists, even as a child, because I went through all those things, you know, um, and, you know, that's not even the worst part of, of things that happened. So there was a lot of damaging done in, the, in my early teens and stuff. So I know how a therapist or a psychologist works. And what you do is you focus on the negative. What isn't going well for you in life? And the past, right? Yeah. The past and the negative. And the negative, like, you know, tell me what's going on. What isn't working for you? So you'll spend your hour telling, you know, this isn't going right. And sometimes when you've you've got a really good one, you'll get some tips and and a tool. I was lucky when I was in my burnout. I got a good one. And she gave me like one exercise and some some good mindset talks that helped me move forward. So I'm I'm grateful for that. And the psychologist, yeah. 
helped me find myself um, internally. I, I didn't know how to listen to myself. I did not know how to express emotions. I did not even know I had emotions. You know, I was just such an unaware child and I did not want to feel those emotions. So Right, because that, that's painful and we don't necessarily want to feel pain because uh, it doesn't feel good. So we just distract ourselves or brush them under or pretend we don't have them and then they come out somewhere. Yeah. Or you get, you know, an illness like I did a few days. Yeah. Right. So I was just going to ask you, how did it come out for you? Yeah. They came out through, through setting my bones locked. Locked bone. I thought maybe there was a, something else after well, that. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, I started rebelling in my teens and doing all sorts of numbing of the brain. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. had so many addictions. I was in the hospital twice when I was 15 to pump my stomach from drinking too much. But I was also, I'm really sensitive to those substances. So, you know, it's it's also not as dramatic as it sounds, but it it also is. So, um, yeah, I started using those substances and like marijuana and sugar and sex and all, all these things that help you numb and make you feel a little bit more bliss, fake bliss. It's still, still temporary. <laughs> and so was it, the, was it the psychologists that you went to who helped you feel those emotions? Like no, when? no. No. At what point did you get to the point where you were like, okay, I recognize now that emotions are part of being human and express feeling them and expressing them is the healthier way to go? Well, I think that the first awareness was with the psychologist to just learn how to talk about it, you know, mm. and to see what, what's going on. That's the first step. And I'm so grateful that at a younger age, I was able to learn that because who knows, you know, what else with my body would have been going on. But it's, it's also my mom, she gives spiritual classes and she was always very aware about these things and always gave so many beautiful tips. But then, you know, I felt like a bad child or a bad person because I did not know how to implement them, mm. you know, because I followed a lot of her classes and sure. I said, no, I followed them all actually. But then, you know, you got the tools, you know, that, you know, grounding yourself or meditating or doing a yoga exercise or whatever cleaning your chakras you know i don't care what it is that works for you <laughs> it all works if you use it but right. then i, I noticed you know because i was always the young one and then you see all these women in their relationships and what, what i thought was interesting is that you saw them and we were all in the state of pure bliss you know, you, you, you're there, you're with each other, the energy is so high and beautiful and you get in this zone and the state of, ah, oh, this is it, you know, this is so pure and this is how I want to feel. And then you drive home and you still feel amazing and then you open the door and your partner says one word and blah, <laughs> it's uh -huh. like completely vanished. And what I learned there, and I also was only able to put the meaning to it afterwards when I went through my own transformation. But what I discovered is that those ladies and myself, because I experienced the exact same thing, they started to feel a discrepancy between themselves and their partner. Because, you know, there, there was a gap between them because they were so aware 
and their partners were not. So they felt mm-hmm. distance. But the big change and the big difference is once you own your transformation and you start living this work and you start being the person who does a few minutes of meditation in the morning and who does a little bit of conscious breathing at during lunch and who's grounding whenever she takes the steps or whatever you know is your mojo once you start living it your energy starts to change and your you know your environment will resonate with that Mm -hmm. and they will grow with you alongside you without you having to do anything so it's by living it that they will you know follow you yeah yeah I had a podcast guest on uh in the season one Trista Polo talked about that's exactly what she did she started working on herself her marriage was not super not great she started working on herself and she wasn't asking him to do anything and everything changed because she changed yeah and that's what I experienced with my father for example because we've had for 20, you know, I used to be his little angel and his princess and everything. And I saw him as a god. But then when I was 14 years old, uh, I went from the ponies to the horses. And my brother started riding the ponies that were now, you know, really ready and, mm-hmm. and doing international shows. So he was at that level at that point. And I was learning again with the horses. We were, right. you know, there was a lot of preparation. But you could see that there was a growth process for me again. And that I was was losing myself a little bit. And then my father completely, you know, dropped me. Like, you know, I had to go to the shows alone and there was no oh more support. And my brother got lessons from the most amazing teachers and I could not join in. Uh, well, you know, I needed it more than him. <laughs> but he was <laughs> at an amazing level and he did European championships. And I was always there to support him, love him to death, you know. Um, so proud of of him as a person, as a rider, as what he's doing right now in life. But you could see that, you know, I was being put aside and there was no more space for me. And that as a child really hurts because then you feel like, yeah, I'm not good enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So from that moment on, I started rebelling and it got even worse. And the the, the 20 years after that were hell between me and my father. Just Mm. pure hell been struggle and so after my transformation it's like you you describe so beautifully you don't have to expect anything from someone else but when you change they'll show up differently and our relationship the past already four to five years our relationship has been gold again pure gold wow yeah that's that's amazing yeah I did not expect that to even happen anymore for us but it's only because I showed up differently that he was able to do the same yeah yeah I want to touch on uh briefly the what you talk about what you specialize in but what we talked about before the show about your um your being a highly sensitive person and how you came into understanding and accepting that and why that's who you work with now. Yeah, that's interesting because at the job of the bullying, you know, um, there was someone who just mentioned the term highly sensitive person and it instantly triggered me. And I thought, you know what? I'm looking that shit up. (laughs) So my dear friend Google told me all about it. And then then I started to think, oh my God, that's what's up. You know, that's what's been going on. And 
I it interested me so much and then I had this experience of personal development to the highest level with that burnout and me reinventing myself and putting all the things that I had learned in the past to work and actually implement it and live it because I discovered these new strategies to really start you know using them and mm. becoming the person and so I followed a course to become a coach or an entire you know education on it and I thought you know what I want to be specific I want to be I want to help people like me who feel lost who feel insecure who feel misunderstood I've often felt like an alien on earth not because I didn't have enough friends because I've always been surrounded with a lot of loving people but I just always felt like I didn't belong. And I do. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people too. Like regardless of whether they're highly sensitive or not, it's so interesting how many, how many of us humans feel like we don't belong. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I started to tune in more into the, you know, working with highly sensitive people as an expert and following those classes. And uh, I've worked with the, you know, most renomated researchers in Belgium and Holland or the Netherlands um, on the topic. And then I discovered, you know, highly gifted. Uh, and I found out that I was myself as well, or am. And so, so many things got clearer and clearer. And the more I got to learn about these qualities, the more I knew, like, this is exactly what I have to do. And then I started working with highly sensitive people. And after coaching like circa a hundred people, I knew like, you know what, what I'm doing, it really works. You know, these they're all so happy. They're all so grateful. I still get messages from clients from five years ago. So it's, it's so amazing. But then I started seeing these documentaries on TV and I started watching like Avicii who you know the, the dg so so mm -hmm. gifted dj who yes. just didn't find his place and didn't know how to cope with all the pressure as an artist and i started watching all these documentaries and i started seeing that there was a big misconception of artists being uh what's the word bipolar you know experiencing heights and loads very often but what i learned from uh, working with all these experts in, in highly sensitivity high sensitivity is that we can feel those emotions as well because of the overstimulation and everything that goes on inside of ourselves we have a deeper way of processing information and our right hemisphere is stronger activated that means a lot of creativity thinking and solutions um Oh, such a strong empathy, more activated mirror neurons. So you can really feel what someone else is, is feeling or showing. Um, yeah. So these are all qualities that artists need to have to be good at what they do, you know? Right. And so that's how I discovered that, like, I think around 85% of all artists is highly sensitive and a lot of them highly gifted as well and highly gifted this is also a little bit attached to being highly sensitive because we also have the deeper way of processing information. So that's why I started to notice like, oh my God, these people, they don't even know why they're feeling that way. And they're feeling so lost and insecure and people are making them think that it's bad to feel like that. And I know what that's like because I had right. everything to be happy and I just couldn't. I didn't know how to fully own my, you know, my my luck, my shine, my everything. So I didn't know how to step into your superpower. 
Exactly. <laughs> and we have so many being highly sensitive. We have so many beautiful powers. And yet I got stuck in the struggles, the challenges that come along with it. And that's the problem. Once you're stuck in there, you know, you can still use your gifts that come along with it, but it's harder to enjoy them and to really use the full potential that's present. So now I... To see them to see them as gifts as opposed to, I don't want to say maybe disabilities or, or drawbacks yeah, or things that were um, wrong with you. Yeah. It, and it can really hold us back at times for sure. But there's yeah. so many, I keep doing these um, little reels on Instagram on why HSP are like X-Men because we're simply more evolved. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to own it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I gotcha. <laughs> let me let let's uh let me ask you your next question then on that on that note. Um when when one of the X-Men, specifically you, wants to feel an even greater boost of energy, what is the song that you listen to to get like what's your hype song? My hype song is Because of You by Neo. Because it's all because of you. And that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> singing to me. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I just, he takes me, he moves me with his music. And I'm not the person who's a super fan of anything. I don't have a favorite movie. I don't have a favorite artist. I don't have a favorite song. I would not know where to begin. But Neo does something to me. He knows, I think... I would love one day to have a chat with him because it's not possible that that guy is not highly sensitive. I just, you know, I'll put my hand into the fire to, I, I'm sure of it because his lyrics and the way the music is composed, it goes like into my fibers, into my cells, you know, my entire body can yeah. feel it. It's so powerful. So yeah. Neo. <laughs> All right, so we're putting that out into the universe. Yeah. That you would like to meet that. Neo. We'll go with that. How can, if people want to continue this conversation with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Or find you well of course on all social media just my name Kati Spaas with a C and then um, you know you can do it send me a DM I always love to have a chat and see what's going on and who you are and get to know others like-minded spirits um, and otherwise my website uh, katispaasacademy.com um, you know you can find more about being highly sensitive you can find a ton of interviews with celebrities i did um on the topic and on mental health and mindset um so and articles that were launched on different uh, mindset topics so there's a lot of content that you can go through and really get inspired there as well and you can book excellent a, a conversation with me there with the link okay fabulous well i will put links to that in the show notes so people can easily find it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kati, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you for having me. I've had so much fun with you, Lori. <laughs> wow, so much good stuff in this episode. Here are the key takeaways. When you're striving to reach a goal, it's okay to sacrifice things in the short-term pursuit. But once you get to a certain level, you can't continue sacrificing other parts of your life indefinitely. It's not healthy. Number two, when you own your transformation and start living in the work of changing yourself, your energy changes 
And then the energy in your environment changes. You resonate with others differently. We've talked about this before, how you can't change others. You can only work on yourself. Well, this is sort of how you can change others, but it only happens in response to you changing yourself. Others then transform by being around you and in relation to you. Number three, you will not be for everyone and you don't want to be for everyone. In marketing, we say, if everyone is your client, then no one is your client. You want to work with the people who bring you the most joy and with whom you are in the most alignment. That is how you help people get the best results. Number four, Kati shared her discovery that highly sensitive people like herself have a deeper way of processing information. Their sense of empathy is stronger because their mirror neurons are more activated than other people's. But often, HSPs are made to feel less than and are told they're too sensitive, which leads them to feel lost and insecure. Number five, I love how she related HSPs to X-Men. They have these beautiful creative powers and there are struggles that come along with them. But when they can own that higher level of evolution, as she referred to it, and step into their superpowers, it becomes a gift that allows them to use their full potential. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Find is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.